0: This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good.
1: My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm still your second Bad Ideas co-host, but I'm going first today.
0: (laughs) And I'm Zach Valenti, still your third Bad Ideas host, uh, because our stalwart first is missing in action. Gabrielle, we miss you. We'll see you next time. In the meantime, we are joined by the one, the only,
1: the showrunner of Valence. It's Will Williams. Will, how's it going?
2: Hi, it's going so
1: well. I'm so happy to be here. We are so happy to have you.
0: It has been too long. Truly.
1: Yes. <laughs> it is. It's Always a delight to see your face and to hear your wonderful ideas for these very silly stories that we are going to come up with. But if anyone hasn't heard Valence before, what's like the 30 second pitch for the show that you do?
2: Yeah. So Valence is an urban fantasy serialized audio drama with themes of identity and data privacy and found families and queerness and how to navigate An oppressive world that hates you and wants you to stay silent. We are just about to finish our third season, which is our final season. So if anybody is looking for something to listen to all of, great news.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. And none of those things seem applicable to the world today. What a delightful fantasy that you've concocted? (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, yes. It's not anything like real things. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, but a very cathartic
1: listen can confirm. Thank you. But we are, we're we're going to do the opposite of catharsis and realism because this is no bad ideas uh, where we take the worst ideas on the Internet and then have 10 minutes amongst ourselves to try and come up with at least the pitch, the beginnings of an idea for how we would turn them into a movie or a television show or anything, an eccentric billionaire. Was paying us to turn them into, uh, and I have the first idea, uh, which comes to us from CNN and listeners. You can check out the article of this in the episode description if you are curious. And I liked this because, you know, it's I think it's a great set piece for the start of shenanigans. Even though this the the people involved in this. Ne- didn't necessarily make a poor decision other than taking the SAT, because the SAT is always a poor decision.
0: That's true. And always a bad idea.
1: Yes. yes. Yep. So the headline reads, 55 students may have to retake their SATs after they were lost from a UPS truck. Oh, wow. no. Yeah. <laughs> so the article reads, Taking the SAT is a stressful, anxiety-inspiring or I think inducing is the right word, article writer, Uh, (laughs) anxiety-inspiring rite of passage for many high school students, but over 50 students at an El Paso high school may have to take the tests again after their tests flew out of the UPS truck, transporting them, and were either lost or destroyed. The El Paso Independent School District told CNN that it is currently working with a college board which administers the SATs and is a bad idea to, quote, determine a remedy for the students whose tests were lost. The SAT is a standardized entrance exam using, used as metric for applying to colleges across the United States. A total of 1.7 million students in high schools uh, in the high school class of 2022 20, took the SAT at least once, according to the college board. The El Paso Independent School District said that the loss affected students who took the test on October 27th. Staff were able to recover some, but 55 of those tests were lost. Students whose tests were lost will be able to take the ACT, another popular standardized exam, on December 10th at no cost, according to the school district. How fun for them. What a boon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Scam.
1: UPS uh, has stated that it has apologized to the school and the students in a statement shared with CNN. And there's a, there's a couple other quotes from, from the, there's like a, a statement from UPS and, and stuff from the, the students affected. But I, I've given you now the bones of the idea. Having to take the SAT over and over and over again because tests get lost, perhaps a heist based on losing SAT mm-hmm. tests. I leave it to you to be the judge, but I'm going to put 10 minutes on this timer.
2: Tell me a story.
0: My God. I- Have
2: y'all seen the film Dope? No. Yes. Okay. So I'm getting big dope vibes off of this. Uh, Zach, <laughs> it is so fun. It is a super uh, underrated film. Uh, I'm going to pull it up on Letterboxd here. It is uh, essentially a college admission letter heist in a way, that involves a drug deal gone so bad. So this was a 2015 film by uh, Rick Famuyiwa, and it's very fun. So here is what I am picturing. Mm-hmm. It's like dope meets maybe burn after reading. Ooh. We've got a narrative going uh, with the students who are finding out that they their SATs have been lost, probably have... You know, we we have the 50, but maybe we have a core team of Of like like five, like, right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, With varying levels of how much they care about their SATs, how much they care about college. Maybe a few who are like super ambitious, maybe a few who are feeling discouraged, maybe some imposter syndrome. Yeah. We have them on a hunt to find uh, these. These missing exams. Right. But then we have our B plot and our B plot is the corporate shenanigans going on between the SATs and the ACTs. And we have the UPS driver uh, who is secretly working for one or either of them, maybe like a little double agent. Yes. 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 I love this. Gotta have a super spy, double agent, corporate intrigue who uh, is undercover as a UPS driver. Um, And then I think that potentially depending on how like um agent Cody Banks were going with this okay <laughs> the uh, the ultimate resolution could be that they don't necessarily find their SAT scores but they do unravel this mystery between the SATs and the ACTs and they start getting placements in colleges for like Cool spy kids school.
1: Yeah, no, they they get noticed by the
2: the. I don't want to make
1: it like the CIA farm team, but like right, yeah. Um, the the wherever John Wick trained, they're 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 interested in these kids. Yeah, John Wick University. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea. Keanu would be such a good college president. I'm just saying that would
2: be the chillest <laughs> university ever. He would be like, "Yeah, puppies. That's it. That's the curriculum, probably. <laughs> puppies and sidewalk chalk. You're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, amazing. Uh, I love this as sort of an overarching structure. And I, as as you say, Will, I like the idea of having. You know, high school is such a fraught time. Everything feels so zero sum, and like it's it's the end of the world. And so I love a spy plot that helps these kids realize that." The SATs aren't the end of the world. Like, I think this
2: is great. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Zach, what are your thoughts on this?
0: Now, I'm just curious about the motivation of this person
1: the ups truck driver he's is he played by adam driver yeah certainly excellent
0: <laughs> is there any relationship to any of these the students are they picking favorites like is there a cousin in the school
1: yeah like yeah. is there is there some sort of connection or is it just like just sort of the corporate overreach of the college board Maybe their cousin could be like a teacher or something.
2: Mm. Or their cousin could be like an honor roll student and they're trying Mm. to get competing uh, SAT scores out of here. Oh, sure. Uh, I like both options. I also do think it's extremely funny if the UPS driver has zero stake. He just really thrives on this sort of hideous chaos that he is (laughs) sowing and whatever amount of funding these college board tests can get him
1: that's right he's putting himself through college with the bribe money from the Aha. college boards <laughs>
2: we, got oh it. we got it
1: incredible um <laughs> let's let's we have five minutes so let's flesh out um who these kids are a little bit more hmm. who's our core team and like what are their like uh th- who's the face who's the tech wizard and all
2: that stuff I really like the idea of the tech wizard being a SoundCloud rapper. Uh,
0: Amazing. <laughs> like,
2: I love this. Knows their way in and out of uh, doing audio, but also like weird online searches for noises. Uh, they know how to work around really obnoxious platforms like SoundCloud. Uh, <laughs> they just sort of fuck around on the Internet a lot. Incredible. They're probably on Reddit. Uh I think having like vaguely stoner SoundCloud rapper would fit that niche in a really fun way. And I love the amazing stoner SoundCloud rapper is an incredible test
1: taker, too. So like a perfect (laughs) score is on the line here. I love this.
2: Yes. (laughs) Um, who are, yeah, who are some of the, the other kids?
0: I mean, we definitely need a frisbee golfer in there.
2: Oh, you're so right. You're so right. Or
0: ultimate or ultimate. Okay. I okay, feel like yeah. ultimate would be an actual sport at a high school these days or could be.
2: Maybe does a little parkour and you think it's going to be a plot point, but... Like, they are definitely a high schooler who does parkour and like they constantly eat shit. Like it, it doesn't ever actually help them in the plot. <laughs> it can be like they're
1: in the UPS like uh, warehouse and they're like, finally, my moment to shine um, immediately eats it. Yeah, Love
2: it. <laughs> uh, I really like the ultimate Frisbee, though. I feel like having to throw a thing a far distance and precisely... I do see, depending on how camp it gets, finding one of these envelopes with these test scores and having to, like, fr- frisbee. It. Oh, my God. And the film just follows that logic of, like, yeah, yeah, this will do a frisbee thing, absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's movie <laughs> physics. Don't ask any questions. You're fine. I love this. We have about two and a half minutes. Um, are there any other set pieces
2: or sort of important twists? Is there a romance element in here somehow? I think we've got to have a breakfast club esque romance between two conflicting high school stereotypes Mm. who then have much more in common than they think. I love that.
0: Especially when their standardized test scores are held hostage. Yes. I'm thinking maybe we can also realize this through the torture of prom. um, (gasps) Yes. They maybe stage some sort of, uh, I don't know, make the SATs not a thing protest on the big night of the year. I
2: love that. I love Love that. Uh, I recently saw a post, I think probably on Tumblr, floating around about how the assumed enemy status between like goth girls and like super femme Barbie girls (sighs) is like so not correct because they are both doing gender the same way, just in opposite directions. So I would love to see a goth girl super prep romance here. Like you said, bring it together during prom, have some sort of cancel the SATs protest. I love it. I love it. I love it. Incredible. Incredible. 50
1: seconds left. What is this called? Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> the most important question no that's, right, that's right. That's <laughs>
2: right. I yeah, mean, I could feel like it there's be there's
1: a play on the word up. score.
2: Oh, oh act score up. Is good. Act up like ACT. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah.
0: That's kind um, of amazing. <laughs>
2: I do like uh, score, though. It could be like, you know, main characters, big score. But it's instead of like heist score, it's test score. But it's also heist score. You could also also have heist school.
0: That's fucking great. Uh, There's also a play on dope with just nope.
2: Nope. (laughs) A sequel to Nope, this one without the aliens
1: as much. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, Well, that's time. I'm glad we ruled out aliens. Um, But this sounds like a phenomenal, fun comedy that I want to see immediately. Well done, you both.
0: Great idea. Thank you. I'm going to have to drag us out of high school and take us to our local airline Um, This is via the HuffPost, but I'm going to take us to the original inspiration after this headline. TSA finds handgun hidden inside raw chicken in luggage at (laughs) airport.
1: God bless. God bless America.
0: It is amazing. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, an unidentified (laughs) Florida person is involved in this story. I will neither (laughs) confirm nor deny Whether it is the classic, the Florida man, (laughs) one can assume security officers at a South Florida airport have reported finding a handgun hidden inside a raw chicken packed in a traveler's luggage. The TSA posted photos of the gun and poultry Monday on its official Instagram account. Oh, hey, yes.
1: The TSA Instagram, like that Instagram is great. It is a it pun is a Instagram. Instagram, high recommend.
0: It is unbelievable. So I, I'm just going to honestly skip this entire rest of the article because there's very little. There's like maybe a paragraph. Said, yeah. The real juice <laughs> is in this amazing post. So I, I'm reading out directly from at TSA on Instagram. There's a personal foul here. Oi. <laughs> That's F O W L. Just the art. Just the uh, The plot chickens as we barrel <laughs> our way closer to Thanksgiving. For us, it's a time to be thankful that our officers are always working around the clock to keep you safe. Take, for instance, this. Can you believe it? Find at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. We hate to beak it to you here, but stuffing a firearm in your holiday bird for travel is just a waste of time. <laughs> this idea wasn't even half-baked. It was raw, greasy, and obviously unsupervised. The only roast happening here is this poor packing choice. Feather you like it or not, there are rules for traveling with guns and ammunition. So don't wing it. (laughs) Roost over the proper packaging info through the link in our bio. Hashtag raw chicken, hashtag chicken, (laughs) hashtag concealed, hashtag airport security.
2: (sighs) (sighs)
1: Hashtag raw chicken. That's the the one bad idea is hashtag raw chicken.
2: That's a bad hashtag. (laughs) And everyone should feel bad about it. I've never I, been more scared of a hashtag before in my life. Truly.
0: And with that terrifying hashtag, you have 10 minutes to riddle this chicken into something not so dangerous to eat.
1: Man, I'm still taking psychic
2: damage from all yes. of those puns. <laughs> I, I literally can't fathom and any, wh- the mindset. Of yeah. Put raw chicken in suitcase already is unfathomable to me. But then also gun in chicken. Somehow yeah. the gun is like the least interesting part of this. Truly. It's really the raw chicken. Yeah, I know. I, I will say I know that my
1: <laughs> when my grandmother used to fly... Um, from New Jersey to California, she would bring like very fancy kosher meats in her luggage, but in her checked luggage that would be in the freezing hull of the plane and so would probably be OK. Like in your carry on. Excuse me.
2: <laughs> and it looks like in this image, it, 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 it's it's just like in some like Is plastic, a plastic bag. Bags? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. No, don't look great. <laughs> Does it? Can you imagine being on that plane and being like what's that weird smell? Uh, it smells like chicken gun in here. Like it smells like chicken <laughs> gun in here.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's one of those like reusable like f- frozen packs like yeah. uh like a sort of collapsible cooler. Basically a giant lunch bag.
1: Yes. Yikes. There is like the everyone's trapped on an airplane and there's a weird smell and you know, it's the slowly shifting social dynamics of the flight attendants trying to figure out what's going on here, but like the payoff of it being gun chicken, <laughs> <laughs> like that can't be a thriller. Th- There's okay, that-
2: absolutely consider, not. Yes, I think often about the experience of seeing Little Miss Sunshine in theaters. Very oh, wow. often. Yeah, Um, I am thrilled that I got that experience because when it first came out, very little was like known about it. It was an indie movie like, you know, it didn't get a lot of advertising. People just said, oh, it's great. Go see it. Yeah. So spoilers to people who haven't seen it. That scene where you've built up the whole movie about uh, Olive's, uh, like, performance (laughs) that she's been doing with her grandfather. Yeah. And then it's it turns out to be super freak. Nobody was expecting that. I have literally never heard more immediate and intense laughter from a crowd in my life. We were really gearing up for something sentimental and sweet. And then it really was super freak. So if you play (sighs) the entire thing as a thriller... (laughs) And then you have the drop of raw chicken and it's like, huh? (laughs) But then you have the additional twist of it's a gun. And then you have everybody realizing, like, not only is this dangerous, this person is so unhinged (laughs) and removed (laughs) from reality that they put it into a raw chicken first. Like, this is next level scary. This is, like... It's stupid is what happen. it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay. 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 I dig this. So we're creating like this sort of tense, heartfelt, perhaps like a family is on a plane to like go visit uh, their relatives. Um, I've started stealing from Little Miss Sunshine a little bit. It's a good thing to steal from. It, it is. Great soundtrack too. Mm-hmm. And it there's just starts to be like a weird smell on the plane (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what does i'm I'm trying to like move towards how our main characters because i don't think the chicken man is is our hero here um like but how that person is connected to our protagonists uh in any
0: way no i think they're they're like i would suggest they are maybe stuck with this person maybe they have the aisle seat Or even worse, they have Mm -hmm. the window seat with chicken gun person being on the aisle. The idea of
2: somebody like having a gun on a plane and they're like planning to use it and it's very scary, but also they chose the window seat because they like it more seems very in line with chicken gun man. Like that seems (laughs) the same mindset
0: right
1: there. (laughs) Completely logical. Makes a ton of sense.
0: (laughs) You, You could have chicken gun man with the aisle seat. Um, because they, you know, suffer from claustrophobia and uh, would otherwise mm. maybe feel stressed. Um, but of course, not being smart enough to use a cooked chicken, they have contracted <laughs> salmonella several hours later. <laughs> And are just like falling asleep with salmonella sleeps.
1: Okay, so so eventually this person, I love this, because eventually this person's going to become incapacitated and lose control of the chicken. And the, chi- <laughs> and the chicken is just going to be like tossed about around the plane uh, as people try to uh, get a hold of this gun. Um there can be ki- hi- like um not kidnappers hijackers on the plane separate from this this incident who are like oh man we can have a lethal weapon on here this our day just got better. We were Whoa. using box cutters.
2: Um family who is there also could be bringing along their family cat or dog uh, which yep. could be flipping out because of uh, chicken gun smell. Um could also be involved in this like yeah yeah and this tossing around you know we've got one of those shots where like the dog or what have you like leaps up into the air and gets the chicken in their mouth running around with it Um, i also do love this like back and forth tossing around but it's also still a very enclosed environment so like yes
1: (laughs) it can't go that far and it can bounce into people's laps who want absolutely nothing to do with it Oh, that's um, salmonella, that's salmonella, right. that's salmonella each yeah. hit.
0: It can also Ugh. slider right. <laughs>
2: like,
1: <laughs> a sound designer's dream. <laughs> <laughs> All the meat sounds. Um, <laughs> this has to take place in like 1979.
2: Yes, this cannot yes, be in the yes, present yes, day. Yes. yes.
0: Agreed. Um, agreed.
2: I think that we also gotta have like flight attendant be another supporting character here love that you know they are maybe on top of things they're trying to figure things out they are probably trying to figure out like how to convey this to the pilots but not have the pilots like freak out all the way right both because um they want to make sure the flight is safe and also because like it's 79 and they're a woman you know Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, They're on the verge of promotion. They're going to be like the first woman promoted to a thing, and so this flight has to go really well. They have to keep it under control, (laughs) and it's the worst fight ever
2: (laughs) 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 to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Who ultimately winds up with the gun from inside of the chicken? So I think it. I'm guessing that, like, if if everyone's in a
1: row, then we have two protagonists um, who are like a couple or siblings of some sort. Uh uh Um, And so one of them probably gets control of the gun Mm -hmm. um, and then would have to, like, incorporate some part of the argument their counterpart made in order to, like, successfully neutralize the situation, if that makes any kind of sense.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think um, there should be some discussion of like, hey, man, it's OK. We'll land. And then I promise we'll cook this chicken for you. It'll be delicious. And the other sibling is like, we, no, 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 no. This chicken cannot be ingested. Uh, and the other sibling is like, no, it's cool. It's yeah. cool. Uh, Everything's cool, man. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, we'll land and either we won't cook the chicken or we cook the chicken and then we just serve it to chicken gun guy. And it, like, you know, win, win. Either way.
0: <laughs> In the last 30 seconds, what is it called?
2: It can't be called chicken gun. Um, it <laughs> but can't. it could be. <laughs> it could be called flightless bird. Yeah. Flightless bird.
1: I like that's a pretty lot. good.
0: That's pretty good. It's got, uh, it's got legs. Oh, man. Maybe not wings.
1: There was something in the TSA post that I really liked. There was nothing in the TSA post that I liked. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't wing it. Don't Don't wing it. it. Don't
2: wing it.
0: (laughs) For the wing. Uh,
2: For the wing. Amazing. uh,
0: (laughs) That was fucking amazing. I love what you did with that.
2: What a nightmare. (laughs) Like, what an
1: idea, Zach. Oh, my God. Yes,
2: yes.
1: I'm kind of shocked we haven't pulled from the TSA Instagram before oh, now. Oh, I'm going back. Um, inspired. I'm going back yeah. for more. Truly inspired. Uh, fucking Florida. Can't believe. Chicken
2: gun. Chicken gun. I mean, we, we should title the episode that. I can't believe I didn't make a joke about Guy Fieri's restaurant, Chicken Guy. Right there. Uh, <laughs> right there. Right there. <laughs> this is the thing about the 10 minutes. You're immediate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Truly
0: well, <laughs> really incredible. Uh, Pour some Listerine down our ear holes, and we'll be right back after this. Hello there, Zach Valenti, jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions, as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to NoBadIdeasPodcast.com slash support. Once more, that's NoBadIdeasPodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless... Thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas.
1: All right, we are back with our pal Will Williams, the showrunner of Valence, uh, which is wrapping up its third season as we speak. You should go listen to it, but after this, let not right now, later. And Will, the last time we had you on here, you were sort of in process of starting season one of the show that's right you are now rounding the corner on third base of the final season and curious just
2: kind of like finales are hard man how are you feeling it's it's so weird it's really bittersweet. um I yeah. realized as I started sound designing this third season that this is the first long form creative project that I have ever finished Wow, I have done like a lot of writing and a lot of other things, and I have like gotten eighty percent of the way through other projects, but I've just never finished them. I am really bad at endings. So on one hand, it feels like a huge accomplishment. Honestly, um, I'm I'm so proud to have a completed work that people can listen to. It is so strange and foreign to me. Uh, on the other hand, this story has been with me for like 10 years at this point, um, just in various iterations. So yeah. leaving it is very sad. It has an additional layer of sadness, too, because I've grown so close with so much of our cast. And I know we're going to stay in touch, obviously, but it's it's so sad to think that I will never be able to hear Josh as Liam again or uh, Jordan Cobb as Sarah again. Like, it's so specific to lose that iteration of a character and that iteration of a friend. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. How no, for- have y'all dealt with ending your various projects?
0: Oh, you know, with perfect balance and mental health <laughs> and no regrets. Definitely none of those. hmm hmm mm-hmm. <laughs> No, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 it's both liberating in some ways because you just find yourself with this mountain of time that was previously committed uh for people who don't work on shows like these these fiction darlings uh from the writing of the things to the table reads rehearsals you know it it, it kind of racks up hours and so you know there there's obviously more time for other things but it also is An organizing thing, like in addition to just like being those hours, it's like I, for one, have not felt nearly as much of a purpose on social media um, Mm -hmm. since Wolf wrapped up because it just, you know, was in so many ways a, a, a dialogue with the the folks who were listening yeah and you know not to say there aren't amazing people still listening who you know write us to this day but it's very different when it's not an active publication and there's not that sort of pressure you know loaded gun of like what's going to happen next
2: yeah Uh, i will say i am currently uh taking my partner on a journey through Wolf 359 actually (laughs) uh they had never listened before they adore it uh, they are now taking their other partner through it as well, which I think is very sweet. Yes, uh, like we encourage five, this five episodes away from the finale, like the f- series finale. And I'm I'm just thrilled. It's It's been really nice actually listening to it again, first off, because it really holds up so well. Uh, and two, hearing how y'all have uh, brought all those threads together to end Wolf, I like it's it's not inspiring necessarily because I've, I've I've already written the end of Valence, but it feels comforting to see how others have done this, and see some of like the relationship between how y'all ended things and how uh, we ended things over at Hug House. Just feels like we're in good company.
0: That means a lot. That's
1: awesome. it, it means the world. Um, and certainly uh, was something I remember us really worrying worrying about um is ending the show right and then looking around for like anything anyone we could we could steal from um who'd mm-hmm. already done it, and you know it's 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 very bittersweet because it's a lot of work to to bring the characters to a place where like they no longer need you they're gonna go the ones that survive are gonna go with their lives. <laughs> And, you know, they'll be fine. Uh, we don't need to follow them anymore. So for me, it's, it's both, it's, it's this incredible, like, lift. The final season of, of Wolf felt very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, as you say, Zach, there's, like, not just time that comes back to you, but also, like, brain space for new ideas and new characters. And I know that, like, one of the nice things... About doing anthologies after a long serial was, you know, just sort of proving to ourselves that, like, hey, we can tell other stories. Yeah, it's not going to be just this one. This doesn't have to define us creatively.
2: Yeah, I, I actually uh, have a promise to my Hug House co-creators that I will not start actually planning my next work uh, Mm -hmm. until six months after I have finished sound designing Valence. Uh, (laughs) Does this mean that I don't have a title, a co-writer, a Pinterest board, and a playlist? No, it does not. Uh, Those aren't writing. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Um, It's pre-work. It's fine. It's pre-work. Yeah, I I almost feel like I'm cheating on Valence at some point, just like (laughs) having other ideas. But one thing that's nice is similarly, we've uh, at Hug House, we have hexadec which is our anthology that is all based on like Pantone colors. Oh, we started taking submissions for that and we're going to be working on producing uh, those those episodes. And again, it is like it's very nice to remember that I don't just have Valence in me. I'll be just sound designing those pieces, but even that, getting into that different creative framework for myself of even just like how does this different world sound is so refreshing Um, and it makes me feel much more at peace knowing that I'll be able to pivot after Valence which has such a specific soundscape and get to do something uh, a bit different still scary Uh, and I also always worry when I'm doing sound design for somebody else's writing you know it's very different than when you're writing and you already have it in your head For sure. But yeah, yeah, but very exciting, very inspiring while being very scary.
0: Out of curiosity, you said this is the first thing that you've really brought in a long form from beginning to end. I'm curious if there's some X factor about the project or something within yourself or anything in between that sort of made that difference that we're here.
2: Yeah. Collaboration, hands down. The combination of having accountability buddies and having deadlines, for sure. But more than that, uh, Valence was based on a series of novels I wrote over a couple of years of NaNoWriMo. And I got, again, like 80% through the last book, maybe 60% through the last book, and then I just couldn't end it. And I think that the problem, the main problem there was the characters have a lot in common with me. And I think because of that, I couldn't see yet in myself the growth that I needed. Mm -hmm. And so these characters who were so similar to me, I couldn't see where their, the end of their story was. It was too, too close to home. So as soon as I brought on the voice actors and they started lending more of themselves to the characters, the characters became new people. They weren't quite as much just mirrors of myself or as close to myself as they are still a lot of inspiration there don't get me wrong but right it's but... so much easier to see these characters as separate people and then also having the collaboration with uh my co-writers so you know having katie yeomans as my other main writer and then having ann baird always helping us with the story uh also having ann baird act as Pretty much the internal voice of our main antagonist was amazing. Uh, Having that like actual rivalry there, having, you know, somebody with a bit more of a third person perspective that was so antagonistic (laughs) towards us and having to work within that helped so much. I, I don't think that this story ever would have been finished without the amount of collaboration I had on it. Relatable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this does not ring true at all. Um, (laughs) Not glancing at a a folder full of incomplete NaNoWriMo things and just Mm -hmm, dragging mm -hmm. it to the trash. It's fine. Um, (laughs) I'm curious, just sort of like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that sound designing for other people is a very different process for sound designing your own world. But like when you're bringing people into your own world and having that collaboration, sort of what are, the, what are those conversations like of making sure that everybody is on the same page and in the same world and, and rowing in the same direction?
2: Yeah. So we did a lot of work up front for Valence. Um, my co-creators had already experienced our our main characters as npcs in a tabletop campaign so that helped a lot that's incredible yeah that's actually awesome. uh, way before i even thought about making valence i was using these characters from this novel in a monster of the week game uh that had Anne and katie in it i i just used the characters because i didn't feel like making new ones like that's <laughs> literally the only reason why and then Anne and katie like they, they just vibed. They vibed with those characters so hard. They really got the essences of those characters. So that led us to planning Valence. The world of Valence is very different from the world of our Monster of the Week campaign. So I'm a very visual person. Uh, I brought in tons of visuals for the world, for every character, for what I wanted the vibe of the magic to look like. Yeah. Um, I, I brought in playlists, anything to help steep them into the... The idea of what I was going for I, I even gave reference media, so I think two of the big ones were fairly conflicting uh in tone, but they they mesh in my head i gave them mr robot and nick and nora's infinite playlist you know it's not crazy right like they've i think that they both uh capture the city feeling in the way that i wanted to yeah there's possibility but like in very different directions (laughs) yes yes Uh, i wanted i wanted the uh dry darkness of mr robot but i also wanted to loop in some of the like goofier, sweeter comedy of Nick and Nora, that like bantery dynamic. So mm-hmm. having all those reference helped a lot. And then we tried to find who would be kind of like in charge of what concepts. So I am not a world building person. Um, if somebody asks me how the magic works, I say, oh, I, I made it up. It's not real. Um, that's like the best I can do. <laughs> but I am very much a metaphor and theme person. I, I try to make sure those are always present. Katie, meanwhile, is very much a world-building person, um, thinking about like everything that goes into making the magic work right, what makes sense. Uh they're also really, really good at writing things like negotiations and break-ins and these big action scenes where I am very much a like quiet character moment person. And then Anne, meanwhile, incredible researcher, again, like the voice of our uh, antagonist. So they always were like a little bit separate in that way so that we could keep our, um, our motivations separate. Once we had that all lined up, we kind of, you know, broke down who would be the point person on certain things. And then we just communicated a ton. I think... Another big part of making sure that this all worked and was cohesive, even as I'm bringing people into my world, is that I just had to stop thinking of it as my world. You know, I I do have final say at the end of the day. I am the showrunner, but I have used my final say so little uh, because, like I said, like collaboration is everything to this show. Consistently, my co-writers, my actors, uh, creative consultants we've brought on have shaped it so much and it's much more fun for me to play in that way. It makes me uh, more curious. I'm more surprised by it. You know, I I had played in the sandbox of the world as mine for so long in writing the novels that it got boring. It got really stale. Uh, I needed those other voices in there to make that world more alive. That's amazing. I'm fascinated by like moving the same
1: story through different media, um, be it TTRPGs, novels, uh, audio fiction. Have you sort of developed uh, new understandings of like each by having the story and it moved to different places? I, 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 it's just so fascinating. Absolutely.
2: I think that the biggest difference for me, um, because I do think of it as character first and how do these different situations change each character, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that really influenced a lot of it. So I have different versions of the protagonist, Liam. All living in my head. So I have Liam from when he was a Dungeons and Dragons character. I have Liam from when I did a character tumbler from him. Uh, I have the Liam who is in the novels. I have the Liam who's in a Valence. I have uh, Liam if he were a a sad Victorian boy. I have Liam if he were in a cyberpunk universe. I have Liam in an 80s take on Valence. Uh, These all live in my head. So I think. The biggest changes in seeing these things from a different medium and how it changes is the way that characters speak a lot of the time. Mm. Um, Dialogue sounds very different for me on the page than it does in audio. And dialogue is also very different for me if I'm trying to, like, actively in real time communicate with players of a tabletop. The way that information is disseminated is, for me, very different in all of those. On the page, You can have a character say very little, but you can convey a lot through everything else, through, you know, your symbolism, your descriptions, even, you know, internal thoughts. We translated some of that in Valence uh, for having a main character who speaks pretty little uh, compared to the other characters, but then we have uh, his internal monologue going as well. In Tabletops, though, If you have a character who's supposed to be helpful and is only giving you like little tiny sentences because they're bad at speaking, that doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work very well at all. Yeah. Which meant two things for Liam as a character. One, I had to make him more verbose. And I found through that, like when he bristled against that more and what implications that could have, it also meant that instead of Liam being the like main character, quote unquote, that I played, it was Nico, who is the love interest is the best way to put him uh, in Valence, which meant I got to embody him a lot more, build up his past, build up, you know, his motivations and why he would be helping these characters and what motivations he had just by merit of he won't shut the shut up. Like, can I say fuck on the show? I don't remember. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Uh, Yeah, he won't shut the fuck up. We encourage it. (laughs) um so he was just more verbose and he would explain things to characters in a way that added a lot of uh trouble for them he would think that he was being super explicit and very clear but they wouldn't which added for a lot of miscommunication for the characters which was very funny like in in a uh hijinks filled world like the monster of the week system having just enough of the right information, but then like a lot of unclear information (laughs) leads to a lot more chaos and a lot more of the characters trying to piece something together. Yeah. Yeah. I just think having characters at different utilities in different stories based on the different medium they're in, you get to learn so much about different aspects of those characters and how they respond to things differently and how they interact differently. I highly recommend if you have characters that you are attached to and you're putting them into one medium, try them in a different medium. Uh, I, I've played Dragon Age uh, Inquisition with Liam as my inquisitor, even, and seen this, the decisions he makes. You just never know what sides of a character you will find when you put them somewhere else. It's incredible. Thank you.
0: <laughs> just to circle back to the ultimate... Productivity hack and creative pursuits being teamwork um, mm-hmm. and collaboration. I'm wondering, just looking back, well, one, if you could tr- sort of quickly recap the like Avengers Assemble moment and how, <laughs> uh, aka, tips and tricks on how to con people to uh, <laughs> join you on uh, a years-long creative affair, and then just like practically and tactically, like, what are some of the things? That over the course of actually doing it, you learn about collaboration, uh, recommendations or things to avoid.
2: Yeah, uh, that moment, um, I think I actually have it on recording. Uh, we, we did a or I guess are doing a documentary podcast about the making of Valence called Scoring Magic. And yeah. I think that I have the call where I asked them to come join me on that on like an early episode. But it was really it feels kind of inevitable, honestly. Uh, I had been already writing about audio dramas for so long, and Anne and Katie were, like, begging to do more things with these characters. So by the time that came around, uh, I think that they were a little bit expecting it. But one of the hardest parts was deciding on just Anne and Katie, mm-hmm. um, because there were other players in that tabletop who I would have loved to work with. A few of them wound up coming back and doing uh, voices, which I loved. but. I had to really consider the issue of like too many cooks in the kitchen and also work styles. I think that considering work styles is not something that a lot of creatives put first and they really need to. There were some writers, for instance, or some people who I considered as writers where I loved their character work. They got the story, but they, you know, were too busy or. They had a work style that was a little bit more free form, whereas I really wanted things to be deadline driven. I wanted it to be pretty meticulous. So I think, like, really considering not just, like, do people write well? Do they get what you're doing? But, like, can you work well together? Can you communicate well together in conflict is so key. And that moment of bringing everybody together, once I had Will down to just Anne and Katie, it was so. I don't know. I'm very sentimental about it. Like, these were people I had I had met on just a Discord server. Uh, we became friends really fast. We understood each other really, uh, really quickly. And then I was really nervous <laughs> reaching out to them about it, especially since it's it's very vulnerable having this piece of art that you want to make that is so personal to you and asking others, like, Can this be personal to you too? Can, you know, can you have this inside of you too? It's it's sharing such a an intimate part of yourself in such an intimate way with other people. But I had so much trust for them at this point, like both with these characters and also like with me as a person. We had gone through conflict. We knew how to be tender with each other, not perfectly. You know, these things were all ironed out, but. Yeah. And then and then when they said yes, it was so funny because, again, like I was so stressed and I think that they kind of saw it as like an inevitability, which (laughs) I thought was very sweet. And again, of course, like they they often know me better than I do. Uh, The biggest things that I've learned are having very clear, very strong boundaries about when you are friends and when you are colleagues, when you are coworkers. We work a lot. Over Discord. It's where we met. It's where we hung out. It's where we had our tabletop campaign. It's a system that we know well. And we are, none of us live in the same place. I currently am in Arizona. Um, Katie and Anne are both on the East Coast. Be on the East Coast soon, thank God, but still like a few hours away from them both. So the way that we broke this up is we have our dedicated server for Valence that has, like, some places where we talk and hang out. There's, like, a general channel. There's, like, goofy inspiration channels for all of the characters, which often have, like, memes in them or songs. But then we have dedicated business channels where we are professional mode. You know, we still kind of, like, speak in goofy, like, micro-vernacular ways, yeah, you, you know? Can't turn you can't turn that part of your brain off. Exactly. Exactly. And if I'm if I'm talking to them, I am talking in what we call hug house ease, which is just our like bullshit idiolect that we have uh, infected on each other. But like other than that, we are coming to it professionally. You know, we're uh, we are in work mode. We also have DMs where we are in work mode specifically. And we have DMs where it's just a group chat and we're just hanging out as people. There are some cases where like it'll start bleeding from one to the other, but we have gotten very good about saying, no, no, this isn't the place for this. Let's hop over here. It seems small, but having a way to shift your brain from one version of you to the other version of you to switch those hats is so important. And being really firm about that, not letting each other get away with uh, pulling things from one side of you to the other. And everybody has to have those boundaries. Mm -hmm. If you're not all on board with that, it won't work. And if you start having conflict within your work, you will start having conflict within your friendship and vice versa. Having the separation really allowed us to have conflict in work that doesn't necessarily bleed over to our friendships, which I think has been really vital. When there is bleed over too, because sometimes there is, it's a lot easier to figure out like, okay, You know, one of us is saying that they don't feel heard by the others. They don't feel as listened to. Let's break down. Where is that in the friendship? Where is that in the business? What are ways that we can support you better in those two different modes? Just having the delineation in your brain is already doing so much of the work.
0: And my last question, that was fantastic Um, for anybody who's listening. Thank you is thinking about inflicting a fiction <laughs> podcast upon themselves, the creation of one. Is there anything that you would go back and tell yourself just starting out, if you could time travel back, um, that uh, about anything from the writing, sound design, like how to deal with like people that like the show or don't like the show getting after you about things like, I'm curious what your, your top hits would be.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, Potentially on a dark note, hey, uh, this these characters have even more in common with you than you think. Talk to your therapist harder. Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then I think also uh, for me, I found that for instance, I'm really, really, really picky with how it sounds. I would have told myself, "Hey, you should be sound designing this from episode one." If you can't find the time to do that right now, you need to wait until you have time. You're too picky. Um, I think also. When it comes to people not vibing with it, because Valence is a very, I think, very (laughs) divisive podcast, people either really like it, they get it, they vibe with it, or they hate it. And I totally understand why. It is very specific and uh, incredibly uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, I always knew it was going to be like that going in, but I think reminding myself If this is stressing people out, if it's making them anxious and uncomfortable and it's not hitting them right, that's good. That's what you intended. Don't ever forget that. The people who are going to find this a comfort, they're who you're making this for. The people who are going to find this uncomfortable, but they like that, that's who you're making it for. The people who are made uncomfortable and they don't like it, um that's good that's still also good um this should be a work of art that speaks to a very specific kind of person and there's also because the podcast deals with mental health so much it it always kind of feels nice when I see uh somebody who it doesn't vibe with and they're like this makes me so anxious it's so uncomfortable I'm like good for you that like this doesn't feel familiar to you that I'm glad for you uh, I think honing in on that instead of just thinking about like, all oh, these haters, man, these haters uh, is is very helpful. And I think the last thing would just be like, try to be present more. You know, try, try not to think about like, oh, all this work, I'm so stressed, these deadlines, there's so much to do. Oh, I have to write this, I have to edit this. Focus on like, how lovely that is that you get to have that experience with these people that you love and you trust even the moments that are stressful and painful are so like sacred those are sacred moments and they should be seen as such and held as such it really when you're in it it goes so fast yeah and then as soon as you're getting to the end it's over so soon and you see like yes this was a big chunk of my life when I was in it (laughs) But it's going to be such a small chunk of my life in retrospect. It it feels a lot like when people talk about watching their kids grow up, you know, like you'll never get these moments back. And even in the conflict, just seeing, I guess not even conflict, the stressful moments, seeing how uh, held I was by my co-creators, seeing uh, how fun it was to see the actors bring in their own styling, bring in their own ideas, the writers bringing in their own ideas. That is such a, a different way of getting to know people than you'll ever have anywhere else. And I wish I would have taken more time to like bask in the honor of getting to see these sides of those people.
1: Amazing. Amen. Yeah. Well, we could talk to you for hours about, <laughs> about this stuff, um, but I don't, I don't think... We can actually do that. We'll have to find more times, have you back on the show more um, and keep love having this conversation. Uh, but until <laughs> then, where can the good people of the Internet find you and find Valence?
2: Oh, that's great. That's a great question because uh, social media is imploding as we speak right now. Indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that the best ways you can find me are uh, my site, which is willwilliams.reviews. That's Will with one L. Um, And then you can find Valence at valencepod.com or on uh, Podcatcher. Just search in Valence and you will find us.
1: Amazing. Um, We'll go do that. And we will be back in whatever Podcatcher you are listening to this on next week with more No Bad Ideas.
0: This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our Idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rina Sarame, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by State and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love.